Hello, and welcome to episode 191 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybok, and joining me this evening are my fantastic co-hosts, Spirit and Vrabin. How are you doing this evening, Spirit? I am doing great. Um, I had a great week of raiding between uh, our guilds for Zero Kill, and I just got my first kill on a Chrono Tank, totally unexpectedly, but it was so much fun that I'm just like, uh, blown away. Maybe you have a new problem? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. I don't know. I'll have to fight Christian for chronomancer chronomancer privileges. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's always good to have that flexibility, and I'm glad to hear that you've been having some good rating. How have you been lately, Robin? Haven't had you on in a couple weeks. I'm glad to be going in alphabetical order for the introductions today. <laughs> and I'm not really that anal retentive. I'm just joking. Anyway, um, and I'm doing pretty well. I was hashing out dailies in Bloodstone Fen and Ember Bay like crazy for probably since Bloodstone came out. And then I took a little break where I didn't do anything for like three or four days because I got really busy. I'm coming back and excited to talk about Ember Bay today. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So yeah, last week we talked about sort of the general new map and updates, but we didn't touch anything on current events or the actual story. So be forewarned, a giant rainbow-dressed spoiler bouncer is telling you that we are going to be talking about the entirety of the story this week, and pretty much for the whole episode. Is there like a neon cat spoiler alert or something? Yeah, pretty much. So if you don't want to hear story spoilers, um, don't listen. So that's, you have been warned. Um, with that said, do you guys have any strong preferences on whether we start with the story or the current events first? Or do you think that there's a better order to do them in? Oh, um, I think Spirit should tell us about the current events. I'm not 100% okay. down with that. I, I can do that. I need Up to with that, whatever. Uh, sort of start from the beginning. So I, was yeah, very, I was very passionate about it last week. And I, I just need to, I was all ready to go on to like the other story stuff. But I'll get there, I'll get there. So wait, by start from the beginning, do you mean start with the regular story, or are you just taking a second to prepare yourself? I just need a second to prepare myself. Okay, that's fine. Besides, the magic of editing will make it seem very quick. What class do you play in Bloodstone Fen, Starbuck? Um, Usually my Guardian or... I mean, really just my two mains, so my Guardian or my Necromancer, oh. sort of depending on my uh, preference of the day. For some reason, I've really taken to playing my engineer in Bloodstone Fen. Um, I like you know changing kits and learning the grenades, and it's been really great to because there's a lot of bosses in the meta that have a lot of HP. So it's great to play uh, practice my rotations if I ever want to do raiding with that uh, that class. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I actually tend to be a coward and enjoy uh, flying around and using my flying skills on bosses because they do that's a lot of damage. Um, I know it's not optimal, but I don't care. I'm a filthy well, those casual are- trash. Those are great for when you want to just knock out your dailies. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Okay, I think I, I think I have a place to start. Okay. Okay. Um. So one of the things, the big thing, and I'm sure we'll get around back to this later, um, when we talk about the story. But the big thing about this patch, this Ember Bay patch, is sort of exposition on how magic works in Tyria. Um. We've had some of that in the past. Like, we have an inkling, like, it it can be stored, um, things like that. But in this patch, they talk specifically about um, how it takes on these different aspects. And they call it, um, uh, they they say basically it works like light. Like, you can can filter out different spectrums and things. Uh, So how does that 
factor into current events um kind of tangentially to be honest um but it's important to <laughs> it's kind of important to know I feel like um, we need slides yeah i sorry this is there's a lot of things that got tied together in this patch and just trying to keep track of all of them. so the listeners just need to imagine their own slides yeah uh, i mean me so too i'm you... in for the ride because i have only been tangentially playing the current events and so it's you know i thought i, I was I thought I was up on the current events and I knew them, but then I read your note spirit. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know okay. anything. So there were two, uh, two sort of new current events. The first is um, odd things I think are happening at Gilscale Pond in uh, that zone, which the name I can't remember. And it has Evan it's the one with Fields Evan of Ruin. Yeah, Fields of Ruin. Yeah. So you go to Fields of Ruin, and there are a whole bunch of portals around. And a guy named, I think, Oris Weirdbringer. I'm sure it's Weirdbringer. I don't remember his first name. I think it is. So you go to talk to him, and he doesn't recognize you. Okay, that's weird. Um, you don't recognize him either. And you go off and uh, inspect the portals. And if you try and pass through a portal, it drops you into the pond next to a broken object. So you pick up this object and you take it to Oris Weirdbringer because maybe he knows what it is. And if you talk to him, and I'm not sure exactly what the mechanism is because uh, we've seen this before where he says, wait a few minutes and I'll tell you something. Um, and this has actually been used in other puzzles in Guild Wars 2 where a dialogue will say, wait, and if you, if you are patient and you wait, something will happen. Uh, I, did, I was not patient. I did not wait. I spammed through the dialogue a lot, but I got there eventually. <laughs> Because uh, it, it was this looping dialogue that's like, okay, I'm going to take a look at this device, give me a few seconds. And then you'd be like, I don't know what this is. And then I'm going to take a look at this device, give me a few seconds, I don't know what this is. And you're sort of stuck in this loop over and over and over again, unless you cancel out or wait. Eventually, you get ported again. So sort of around this pond. And all of a sudden, the thing in your inventory has a name. And so you take it to Oris Weirdbringer again, and he goes, uh, what is that? And you tell him, and he goes, well, I didn't know that. You you told me that. And you go, well, didn't you fix it for me? And he's, no, you you did that. You're like, what? Uh, and that's essentially uh, where we're at with that one. <laughs> no one really knows what's going on, but there's a sort of weird... Like time travel vibe. Timey-wimey nonsense going on, yeah. So if you pick up this gun... Uh, or this item that you, you received from him. If you I think it, it looks like Weasley or Gladys, personally. <laughs> um, if you pick it up, you have the ability to stabilize these rifts that are around the pond. And once you do, it gives you a one skill that flips over, like a, like a chain auto-attack, up to 13 times. And each time you flip it over, uh, depending on what number you have your gun attuned to, the portal will take you to a different place, 13 different maps around the world. And once, you, once you've visited all 13 of these different maps through the portal, uh, your gun breaks. And so you take it back to Oros, and you get stuck in this weird looping dialogue again, and then you get ported, and then all of a sudden you've got a class 2 gun, which has two skills that flip over. Um, I think up to... I haven't actually messed around with this at all because no one's figured out where to go from this point or whether we can. Um, but there's sort of two 13-number combinations, I believe, and they take you to different um, sort of different locations around the world. Hmm. Uh, not all of them work. And in fact, uh, in my opinion, the ones that don't work are more interesting than the ones that do. Because 
if you try and go through one of these portals with the class two device, you can get turned into an anomaly. Um, anomaly being like the thing that you turn into and you, if you walk into the Mystic Forge or the Chaos Anomaly or Veil Guardian, like that. Um, it is based on your race. So there are Sir Anomalies and Char Anomalies for the first time. Um, there are... So the, the really cool thing about being an anomaly is you're hostile to other players. Or, sorry, other players are hostile to you. You don't have any skills. You can't hurt anyone. But other people can hurt you. And the only way to get out of this anomaly form is to run up to your body, which is lying on the ground where you jumped into the rift, and remerge with your body. What happens if someone kills you before you do that? Uh, then I think you get teleported automatically to your body and go to a waypoint or something. I don't know. I oh. haven't actually messed around with this myself. Um, I haven't this... gotten to that level either. I've talked to him, and I've flipped it over... I thought, and it may have been my mistake, I thought that it took me to Holbrack on two different um, numbers. Uh, it should take you to different maps. I think it's really easy to get um, because there's so many and you have to hit the scale like over and over and over again to flip it around. Oh. Um, I think it's really easy to get onto the same map twice. And in fact, I um, I went through the whole list of them and went, I have been to every map. Where is my broken gun? And it, I had not been mm. to every map. Um but yeah, it's very, very cool to see uh, sort of some exposition on what anomalies are. Because there's this long-standing theory that um, back in the current events with the the leyline coalescence, I think it was the, like the very first one where it was like, leylines are forming in these three zones. Um it wasn't the first round of those, but it was the second round of those where they started appearing in multiple places in those zones. There were a bunch of NPCs who were like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm inspecting this area for possible future activity. And then when they broke open, they all disappeared. And then after that, we got the leyline anomaly that ran around the different zones. And everyone was speculating, why is he so afraid? Why is he running away from us? He's just cowering, we're beating up on him, we're being mean, and he's just running away. Uh, so the theory at the time was that these poor NPCs had been sucked into these lay rifts and become these anomalies, and we were essentially beating up innocents for mystic coins, because mystic coin. Uh, I just think it's really cool. Like, the the biggest thing with this current events patch is that it, it ties together a whole bunch of the old ones that have scat, like, they were previously a bunch of things that seemed disjointed, and now we're starting to see a full a full story to them. Um, the other current event, because this is only one half of what's going on right now, um, the other one is if you encounter uh, what people are calling the sad anomaly. So this is the spoopy ghost, <sighs> slender man type thing that pops up in the distance and screams or does emotes, uh, and it just it just sort of appears in the distance. It's client-side. Nobody else can see it. Only you can. Um, and if you run up to it now, it opens up an achievement that essentially takes you through what is a traditional quest. Um, and as you go through this, it brings you to the Priory to talk to Ogden, and you say, oh, God, I'm having these problems. Uh, you know, what do I do? I don't want to be hallucinating. There's these awful concentrations of magic and you have a really nice co uh, conversation with Ogden about what these are, what they want, what's happening to you. 
you're dispatched to go try and fix it. I don't want to spoil too much about it because I really enjoyed this. There's some fantastic dialogue in it. Uh, but ultimately, you have to make a choice. Um, doing this choice sort of resolves the quest line and makes the anomalies no longer appear for you. Um, but I haven't done that because I don't know who to trust. I have never been so hesitant to make a choice in a Guild War in Guild Wars 2 because I don't know who to believe about these things and whose motivations are okay and what's happening. It's very, very cool. It's created a situation where I'm like, I feel like whoever I, I turn it in or turn stuff into, uh, it's going to say like, so-and-so remembers this like in a Telltale game and everything, like all the dialogue around the end part of the quest is like, this is permanently going to change something and I don't want to commit. I'm so afraid of commitment right now. Uh, so backing up a little bit, how do you you just find this ghost thing? I've, I haven't seen this. This is the half, I guess, that I haven't done at okay. all or didn't even, didn't even know about. So to see the sad anomaly for people who have never seen one, um, I think the first thing you have to do is you have to find an un unidentified lodestone and turn it into Ella McKay. Um, the unidentified lodestone, you've probably already done. If you've played it all, like in the last few months, you've probably already done this because it would be really easy to find them. They drop off any... Uh, Dragon minion of dragons we haven't fought yet. So destroyers, uh, ice brood, branded, any of those drops really quick um, and is really easy to find. So you go turn it into her. She gives you an item called the lay infused lodestone, I believe. And having this item in your inventory um, will tell you when a lay anomaly has spawned and which map it's in. So it'll it'll just bring up like a notification on your screen whenever one is up. Um, and once you fight the lay anomaly, that's when you'll start having these hallucinations that you can start looking for. So now, if, you're not, if you've you, not seen one, you know, go do, you, do those previous steps and you will. Do you need to have that uh, thing in your inventory after you've done a coalescence event? Because I think I'm thinking I might just have to find which alt has that item. Um, you don't need it once you've done an anomaly event. Okay. It's not. It's not the coalescence event. It's the one where... Uh, there's an anomaly sprinting around the zone, and you have to slow it down. Oh, okay. I don't think I've done that one yet. I've done the anomaly, the coalescence, I think. Hmm. So, looking at my current events, I left off on assist the priory in collecting accumulated lay energy. That sounds really old. <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately, like, and we talked about this when we talked about, you know, sort of our yearly ramble spective, if you will. Um, like my biggest issue with the current events is it's going to be so hard. Like unless you've been paying really close attention, like we have, or I have, since I was going to say we, clearly not we me. Haven't. Uh, it's really hard to get how cool this is. And I like the point of me, you know, going on and on about this is I really hope that some of you guys go out and experience this for yourselves because it's very, very uh, well done, interesting, well written quest line that has been delivered sort of quest step by quest step hidden in achievements that a lot of people will never find unless they're really actively looking for it. And that is such a bummer to me because at this point, it's not just, you know, a cool thing that you encounter now and then. Like, there's a full arcing story to it that hasn't, I guess, I shouldn't say full because it hasn't reached sort of a conclusion yet, but it's really, really cool. And I hope more people go check it out. So... I went and looked at my hero tab or whatever my um, current events tab as well, since Grabox said, 
And the Bloodstone Harvest, is that related to it somehow? Yes. Okay. Because I've found one of those just the other day, randomly. Crazy, yeah. So do I just, like, pick up later? Like, do I have... I have I I think I've found the thing for Ella McKay, right? Um, the unidentified lodestone? Yeah. Yeah, I think once you've turned it into her, um, I believe you can pick up the lay infused lodestone right away. I think that was like over a number of patches, but if you do yeah, it now, that you was a while ago. get it right away. Okay. What if I have no idea what character it's on? Should I still be able to find it on like any other character? Does it matter? The you don't have to actually have the item. Oh, the okay. lay inf- I don't think you actually have to have the lay infused lodestone because the anomalies are on a two-hour timer. Um, the the infused lodestone is basically just to to give you a heads up that one is up while you're playing. Okay, um, gotcha. I don't. It's not like a a necessary item. I don't think. It's good to know. And it, if you double click on it, it'll also tell you where the next one is going to spawn. Gotcha. Wow, I've just been logged onto the game for like two minutes, and I just got a. Uh... <laughs> Spam message from Lion's Arch is really bad today. Like of all days, I got maybe five gold selling messages today, and I can't remember the last time I got one in Lion's Arch. Someone was saying is because it's Columbus Day. That it's not even Columbus Day, <laughs> is it? It wasn't that yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Anyway, um, <laughs> wow, yeah, that's that's really crazy. Like it's. Yeah, I, I kind of have mixed feelings on these current events because, like you said, it's kind of it's kind of hard to get back into them, and each yeah. one is, uh, and well, maybe I shouldn't say is because it sounds like they are no longer. But for the first many, a lot of them were sort of akin to the very first living story stuff, which was go fix some signposts and, or like yeah, go kill a bunch of like specific events that are on timers and maps, uh, like for the bandit killing whatever. And I just, like, could not muster any clucks to give. <laughs> um, and, but this sounds really cool. So, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm glad that they're doing something really cool with it. I just, uh, I guess I'll just have to try and catch up maybe. But it's not really messaged particularly well. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. the achievements yeah. are there in theory, but it's, yeah, I don't know. I liked your almost spoonerism. We should have more of those on the show. But yeah, I like that it's got. I mean, the, when you say it's like a, an old time quest or a Guild Wars One quest kind of, where you get dialogue moving around, I always missed that. And I'm glad that it's coming back. But I wish that it would also have maybe not direct leading with you know little stars on the map, something a little more. Because yeah, I'm not. I guess I'm not playing enough um, to just stumble across this stuff. I mean, I think I think I said in a few shows back that Eric's the one that told me about the current events that involve the bandits, and I went and, you know, found that out, and I loved it. But it's just hard to... Neat that you can stumble across it, but it's hard for... Or disappointing for players that, you know, will never stumble, stumble across it. Yeah. Stumble. I don't think I was enunciating properly. <laughs> it's okay. I knew what you meant. Um, yeah, anyway. All right. Well, that's cool. Was there was there more that you want to talk about with that stuff, or do you want to move on to the story chapters? I mean, there's two small things I can say. One of them is that uh, there's a specific NPC, I will not tell you which one, uh, involved in the Sad Anomaly questline, who uh, appeared many patches ago, not directly rated, related to current event stuff. Um, I, was mean, I was mean to him, and he charged me a gold for his wares. Uh, Hunter was nice to him and he charged hunter like 50 silver 10 silver something like that 
way wow. less for his wares. So there's also there's sort of this NPC that remembers something you've done to him as part of this quest line, which is very cool. What what uh, if you haven't ever talked of? to him? Uh, I will imagine he will charge you whatever the base price is instead of an increased price or a lowered price. So probably somewhere in between whatever hmm. the two of us got. Hmm. Um, because it's it's just a normal and like it just I don't want to say just a normal NPC because he's part of a story now, but it wasn't tied to anything beforehand. It was just a new NPC that showed up and had a few dialogue options. Um, the other thing is there are more cats. Uh, I I believe I've talked about this on the show before, but there are a number of cats you can get for your home instances now. And uh, with the latest patch, they added a um, nine more cats. Each of them can only be recruited by a character of a specific profession. And if you recruit these cats, um, they will start a cat fight club in your home instance. Um, the necromancer cat fears. The ranger cat has a pet frog. They are super adorable, and I need to get all of them. I haven't gotten around to it yet, but I'm going to get all of them because A, cats, and B, oh my god, cat fight club. So That's... do they like go around meowing each other? You don't meow about fight club? I don't know. I don't have them yet. I'm not part of the fight club, so I can still talk about it for now. Once I have the cats, I won't be able to talk <laughs> about it anymore. So, or meow about it. Yeah. This is this is amazing. <laughs> I, I didn't know that they went in your home instance. I just knew that people were doing cat quest lines so I, no I saw all the cats cat, you recruit but... go in your home instance so i have like 14 in there already or however many are out we're out before this patch and i'm about to get nine more it's starting I... to get a little ridiculous to be quite honest i wish there were some other animals slash npcs that i could recruit for my home instance not that i don't love cats i'm just saying there's like 21 cats in this tiny home instance and i'm slowly becoming a cat lady which home instance in game all of them so whatever well, well yeah but like I mean, some of them are less tiny than others. Yeah, I typically go to Selma District. I see. I was going to say, that, that one seems kind of big. That's. It seems kind of big until you stuff it chock full of cats, and then it's not big anymore. <laughs> <laughs> also, they leave dead birds in my home instance, so when I walk in, I step on a dead bird and it explodes. That's Whoa. amazing. So, I saw one of these cats, and it wanted food, or I assume it's one of these cats you're talking about. And it wanted food, but I didn't have anything I could feed it. Is that because I was the wrong profession, or do you need to feed them something? They are very fussy. They usually ask for a specific type of food. Um, you can sort of... The clues... There's usually some... Let me form a real sentence here. Uh, when you talk to the cats, there's usually some sort of hint at what kind of food they want. Um, typically, there's also sort of trends in them. Like, um, orange cats are typically near cooking stations and prefer spicy foods. And it's different kinds of spicy foods. Um, generally, they all like different kinds of meat. I don't think... I haven't done the new ones. and I, I don't know what they like off the top of my head. Um, but all of the other ones have been um, steaks or poultry dishes, as far as I can remember. No fish? Oh, uh, yeah. there. I think there were some fish. Or like But seafood. maybe I haven't done those yet. I don't know. Um, yeah, I just remember, like, just spicy flanked steak and grilled poultry and things like that. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, so there's also a, a kind of cat, um, that wants ice cream. And if you go get these four cats, I, there's a couple in Silver Waste and a couple in Dry Top, I think. If you get these cats, they go into your home instance and they throw snowballs to each other. 
and then they the like all four of them run and chase after the snowball and then one will get it and he'll throw the snowball again they go over the snowball back oh like much like real cats do at 2 a.m when you're trying to sleep and they just decide that it's time to run everywhere yeah i was gonna say Um, whoever whoever designed these clearly actually has cats because everything that you're describing sounds exactly like my real life home life Um, and you can also you can also pick up the snowball and all the cats will follow you around while you gather in your home instance, which is uh, the main selling feature for me is I, I needed to be the cat lord. <laughs> oh, man. I think it'd be great if they behave differently towards Char. Oh, man. ArenaNet, please, if you add us like 10 more cats. I don't know. Surely they'll be done with cats soon, right? Like, we, how many more cats do we need? I mean, I don't know. I think they need to keep adding cats until Broadway brings it back. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, you can never have too many cats. Like, it's did did I hear like AJ on Twitter talk about one of the cats needing crystalline ore, like a hundred of it? Uh, there's a specific cat who wants um bowl of curry muscle soup. I think is the recipe, which can only be obtained from dragon stand or world be world um, Wait, no isn't the curried muscle soup you can get that uh from ember bay can't you i think i just bought it the other day maybe i don't know i have from the circus performer it. person i'm pretty sure okay if you could that would be super cool and that would make it not so expensive but i think i believe uh there is a recipe that is only obtainable from dragon stand or from proofs of heroics from world be world um so you have to do either one or the other to get that particular cat. That's one of the new profession ones that I haven't done yet. Oh, man. All right. Are you guys ready to talk about the actual uh, story? What's story? the recipe? Hold on. Sweet curried mussels? No. Okay, because plate of sweet curried mussels. We'll be world and figure it out. Plate of sweet curried mussels I bought from, um, like I said, the circus people in Ember Bay. I don't know. So, are we ready to talk about the story now? <laughs> We've gone on a, a massive cat tangent. Yeah, I think I'll be okay not talking about cats anymore. I think I might like weave it back into the story somehow, but I can, I can, I can contain myself for a little. Yeah, bit. like a surprise cat attack. I mean, that's yeah. acceptable. Sure, it's acceptable. Yeah, we're gonna walk by it, and it's just gonna stick its little paws out and shred our ankles and whatever. <laughs> Because it loves us, and it wants to teach us how to hunt. Um, anyway, all right. So, uh, Robin, since you were not here uh, last week, and since Spirit has just talked a lot about the current events, would you like to start off talking about the Living Story chapter? Sure. Oh, man, where do we start? We started by getting called to um, Redanovis, is that correct? I believe mm-hmm. so. And I I always like seeing Timey in the in the story she's always you know i'm one of my favorite um of the what are we dragons dragons watch is what we are now destiny's the, orphans destiny's forever. orphans i think that's yeah so in the guild of destiny's orphans Timmy's one of my favorite characters um and she calls us there um and immediately throws us into I mean, there's some dialogue and some spectrum magic stuff which i think spirit's excited about um but immediately she throws us into like a simulator that the retinovans have uh, built and it's like 3d holographic star trek type things it's like the holodeck. And then she talks about how Moto helped her calibrate it, which was awesome. Yeah, I 
even though Moto is, you know, obviously clearly part of the technical world of the game, you know, by in- just by the fact that he's actually there, I love I love integrating him into a story instance like this where yes. it's like very clearly Super Adventure Box is a like training simulation thing that they have built and they use it for fun, but like it has lots of application and so I really like the idea of like that character and the Super Adventure Box being sort of slightly more referenced without actually being like a jokey um you know implementation of it so anyway I, I particularly like that something else i noticed and i don't know if it was the same with previous patches because i think i had my headphones on my my volume turned up more than i usually do there was good music in this and especially in that simulation room i thought that music was kind of cool it was a little bit um you know snes old schooly um synthesizer at least that maybe it wasn't like that but it made me think of that and I like the music, and I think there was new music on in the Ember Bay map too. So that was that's something I really liked about uh, this this expansion. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, we fought some simulations of the new Dragon Minion. Well, dist- no, we fought simulations of Primordius minions. Then we learned there were new Primordius type minions at Ember Bay. Oh, isn't that how it sure. worked? I think that's how it worked. Is that how it worked? I don't yeah. remember anymore. Yeah. It were something new, and that's what ended up killing poor Cammy, who you know was so redshirt that we never even saw her. Yeah, um, I kind of felt like this actually went on like an enemy wave or two too long. Like I just kind of was ready to skip through it by the end. But maybe that's just me. I did the first time I went through it, but when I got my second character to Ember Bay, it seemed to go faster. I don't know why. Ooh, maybe it's just that you knew, you know that. You just knew what was coming, and so you weren't. You didn't have the anticipation of finding out what was happening next because you already knew, yeah. and so it just like didn't seem that long. That's possible. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, go ahead. So then we get to Ember Bay, and if I well, leave anything out, or yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I think there's more stuff we should talk about in that instance because we, um, God, there's a few things in there. There was some uh, dialogue about magic. I remember that, but I think I'm forgetting something else. Yes. Yeah, so there's the dialogue about magic where Timey has refined her. Uh, gross chalk organ thing. <laughs> named Spencer. Uh, named Yes, now named Spencer. Uh, and through that, she's been able to determine that magic uh, works in Tyria like a spectrum of light. Or there's a spectrum of magic where if you filter certain elements out, um, you get different stuff. And I don't have a ton to say on that other than it's been cool watching the people who do have a ton to say on that uh, sort of make all these connections to different points in the game. Like even looking at um, the icon for Unbound Magic, which is the season currency, which is a bunch of different colored mm-hmm. bits of light um, to all the way back to Scarlet, who had different, like that was mechanics for fighting Scarlet, was focusing these different beams of light and things. And so just seeing sort of all the different tie-ins uh, is very cool. And actually, uh, I'm a little surprised that you don't have much to say about it, Greibach, or maybe you do, and I'm just cutting you off. But uh, I always thought you were one for liking how when games and other media explain how the magic system works in the world. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh <sighs> Yes. So, I mean, I think part of that is because it's still not a full explanation. It's just starting to get into the idea of it. And it's not, it's still kind of not really explaining how the magic system works so much as 
explaining the consequences of your actions on the magic entities of the world as they exist if that kind of like like it's sort of explaining the magic system but also kind of not it's more just relating it to you know beams of light Mm -hmm. um i definitely like getting that kind of information though so i definitely perked up when they were talking about that um i will say as an aside this is a totally minor and petty nitpick but the the one it's always kind of annoyed me but it for some reason annoyed me a little bit more when they're relating it to the spectrum of light that there's like two green ones i don't know like it's always bothered me to have different colors for all the dragons but to have two green ones yeah since that uh cut scene with all the orbs in it yeah that was uh, all the way back in season two yep um inside all of or old it was oh something's machine that scarlet went into oh mad yeah oh yeah yeah. that's right yeah but um (laughs) <laughs> but i mean that's that's a minor nitpick but. yeah but knowing this i think we can speculate and i'm really curious i think we can um fair, say fairly certain with fairly cer- with some certainty that um when you know the magic comes out of one dragon it all goes in the other dragons because they soak magic like a sponge and is that something that's unique to the dragons compared to how um we as player characters use magic because if you're a necromancer are do you have all of that magic inside of you and you're just filtering out the necromancer green or are you only have that green necromancer magic inside of you? Yeah, I mean, necromancer. it creates some... Oh, did you... Sorry. Did you? No, I was just going to say that necromancer green is my favorite crayon color. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, it definitely creates some room for speculation, especially with regard to things like how in Guild Wars 1 you, had, you could have two professions, yeah. and so you could like wield two different colors of magic, so to speak, at the same time. Um, there's also obvious in my opinion, symbolism between there being six dragons and six human gods. Yes. Uh, and let's see. Well, no, I guess there was only five professions originally. In, wait, no, is that right? No, six. Yeah, six professions originally in Guild Wars. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, and, and you could really kind of loosely tie each of the dragons to a Guild Wars 1 profession, probably, right? Like, Bubbles is probably Monk. Uh... Primordus is probably well. Eh, it doesn't it, really it gets, work. It gets really it's... fuzzy because elementalists that were fire were Balthazar, and elementalists that were ice were Grinth. Well, I would say that Balthazar is more a representation of warriors, though. Like, yes, he is also a god of fire, but he's primarily a god of war and like fighting. Um, but Balthazar is not one of the dragons, so that doesn't. Yeah, but then what um, dragon would you tie elementalists to? Is what I'm getting at. Well, yeah, I mean, that I was. it was more like I'm having more problems tying Warrior to a single dragon. Yeah. Um, because most of the, like, Ranger is probably more Jamoth being all jungly and planty and whatever-y, and clearly Mesmer is Kralkatoric being all thought crystally Mesmer-y. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just hope that someday, you know, we, you talked about the six, um, the human gods. I hope that someday we understand a little better and they don't just leave it, you know, on the lore table in the past, um, how the human gods tie into the dragons. Because there's so many possible parallels there. And it just seems like that it was at one point in the theorem telling the story that those parallels were intended. Yes, I also hope that. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of things to definitely speculate on with regard to that. And like you said, whether or not it means that <coughs> the players will be able to or not the players but like whether whether that ability to sort of siphon magic that's been freed up is going to ever come up for the players themselves uh or if it's more just for the 
well, forces of the world. In some instances, I mean, we're picking up unbound magic right now. We're True. using it. We're making. I mean, what skill five? We're selling it to merchants and yeah. <laughs> so there's some, but but more than selling it to merchants, that seems more like a mechanic thing. But we're like skill five in Bloodstone, uh, Fen. You know, you create your own temporary leyline. Yep. I mean, we're we're playing with it. We're not maybe not soaking it up like a like a sponge as a as compared to a dragon, but we're definitely utilizing it in even if it's some small capacity. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah. So I mean, I guess. I guess to get back to the original question, I I did find it cool. Uh, it just didn't quite... I'm definitely happy that we got the information. It just hasn't quite shined enough light on the system for me to make a complete comment on like thinking it's super well put together, but I always enjoy a good metaphor and explanation of what's going on. So, like, yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely good. And I think that they're using Rata Novus as an exposition tool to deliver us some of this lore um you know in game which is great it's like here's this lost archive and no you don't get a huge info dump you get it trickled out as timey is discovering it and figuring it out so like from a narrative and game design perspective i think that they're handling it in a good way uh probably better than most of guild wars 2's history thus far to be perfectly honest i would agree with that for the most part Um, i think so that's clever of them which, so that leads us kind of to another kind of cool thing about Timey. So, you know, we talked about the holodeck. I'm just going to call it the holodeck. It's and, the holodeck. Yeah. And now, you know, she has um, gotten, um, I always forget Azura names. What's the, her, the leader of the Azura dudes? Flunt. Flunt. Yes. Talk about so, Flunt spoonisms. She's got Flunt um, gone off to Ember Bay, and now she's got her own crew researching things in Ember Bay. Um, which also I talked about Cammy earlier. Um, Cammy was supposed to be her hardcore, super, you know, can kick butt person that, you know, I, we already said redshirted um, yeah. at Ember Bay. So that's where we're at. So are we ready to move to Ember Bay? Um, right. So, there, okay, there were two other things in that first instance that I want to talk about. And the first is the news from the North, because we haven't seen Brahm yet, but we got a note from him. And that's what time he was talking to us about while we were fighting all of those uh, destroyers. In the I completely holodeck. forgot about this. I'm glad you brought it yeah. up. So not only is Primordus active, now Jormag is active. And we don't get to explore that uh, in this chapter. But uh, what? Because this makes we've me only think fought of something, one giant at a time before. This makes me think of something that happened in Bloodstone Fen. That was a previous you know, update. In Bloodstone Fen, there's an, an anomaly that's bringing ice wolves in that are a completely new model. They aren't the ice brood wolves that we've seen um, in the Shiver Peaks. They're a wolf with ice over them. They look less corrupted, really. Huh. Yeah, I would say it's pretty safe to say that we're going to encounter some more of those soon. Um, and the last thing, I mean, that's really the big thing about, you know, Jormag is active. We don't that we don't get to explore anything else about it, that patch. But the last thing, um, the last big thing that happened in that instance was Ritlock. Uh, and I believe it was that instance, right? It's not the next one. Yeah. I'm not getting the th- order of things mixed up. I think you're right. Oh, yeah, 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 because he can't come to Ember Bay with you. Yep. So Ritlock, uh, if you've been following the story for a while, has been dodging our, our questions for a long time. But it turns out he's not only been dodging us, uh, he's been dodging the Black Citadel, and they are no longer having in it, any of it. Um, so he is, I guess, effectively arrested for not reporting what Revenant magic is to the Black Citadel, uh, and he is being escorted there 
forcefully. Um, we don't know what's going on with him, uh, but he's been removed from the story, and there's interesting things going on inside the Black Citadel. So I hope we get to explore that soon. Like, like the, I think at this point, despite everything else that happens in this chapter, my ideal sort of next chapter would be uh, going to the Black Citadel and then working with the Char to figure out what's going on up north with Jormag. But that's I, just me. I kind of hope, since we're dealing with both fire and ice dragons, there could be some sort of opposing forces thing going on, and we can pit them against each other while we figure out how to deal with two or something. Yeah, people were talking a lot about how, you know, the living story is supposed to be the bridge to the next expansion, and how uh, people were pitching names for the next expansion, like uh, Flame and Frost, which was <laughs> the first chapter of the first ever living story. So that would be cool. Uh, was or, it wasn't the first chapter. Um, it was It was like the first good chapter. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was... Uh, yeah, I can't remember how exactly it worked because they've changed it so many times over the years. I, I, I think it was uh, the second one. The first one was just like signposts and I don't think that okay. was actually technically Flame and Frost, but Flame I think and I Frost was... Getting was... A, yeah, I just think I, I think I was getting it confused with like the arc of the story there was named Flame and Frost because it all had to deal with the... The multiple alliance, alliance, basically. Yeah, but there was all the refugee stuff, I think, was not technically part of Flame and Frost, although I could be totally full of it. I don't, I don't know. know. It's, I, been, I don't it's been a long time. It has. So I've got a question for you guys talking about, you know, expansions and dragons. Would you guys be okay with us taking out an Elder Dragon in Living Story and not an expansion? I don't see why not. Yeah, I would be. Um, I don't think I could be fine. Yeah, I think the biggest, like, it would just be strangely implemented, especially if they do, like, a couple instances every week. It would be sort of a slow build instead of, like, the campaign through Or, where you have all these, like, big missions, boom, boom, boom. The campaign through the jungle where you go, boom, 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 and then there's a big dragon. It just, uh, it would be an uncomfortably slow build, kind of, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I think it'd be okay. It would also be weird because uh, season three is part of Heart of Thorns, which is like the more Dramoth expansion. Mm. So if all of a sudden we took out a second dragon in Living Story, there would be an expansion with two dragons in it, despite the fact that it was in Living Story. I don't know. It would just be weird. I don't like conceptually. I don't have any problems with it. I just think. I it think from a different. design standpoint, I don't think the Guild Wars 2 engine is going to survive for all of the dragons to have an ex their own expansion. No. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's a fair, that's a fair assessment, I think. I, yeah, that's, I'm kind of trying to think about it from conflicting pragma like pragmatic stand standpoints, because on the one hand, I don't have any... <laughs> the word's not like moral or ethical, but just like, I, I don't have any problem with it happening in in living story versus an expansion i don't think it's it would be wrong or like unfair or whatever um on the other hand like you said it would kind of be a long slog in terms of pacing which would be kind of weird but also it kind of could make sense if it's multi-stage you know pressing forward into new territory and establishing base camps like it was in the silver wastes i thought that that timing was pr like kind of okay Mm -hmm. Um, but also, like you said, Robin, it, we've still got four dragons left and at the rate that they've come out with expansions, I assuming, 
assuming that we speed up their timeline for their next expansions, not three years from now. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's yeah, that's a really long time, and it kind of speaks to why I am a little bit. I'm a little bit not super excited about dragons as an antagonist for a variety of reasons. Like first and foremost, that it's kind of hard to have a convincing and engaging boss battle against something that's a force of nature and the size of like, you know, an Island. Um, (laughs) And they've had some issues with that in the past, but also, yeah, I mean, just on on the like time scale, they don't have, yeah. So I don't know. I, I guess I wouldn't object to it if it was done well. I don't know how they would do it well, but, yeah, I think, I yeah, I'm not sure. I I agree with the comment about the engine not lasting like the lifespan. If they go well, I guess yeah. If they go by one by one, because I was just thinking it, from the standpoint of like how stories work, there's got to be some kind of ramp up, right? And I think we're seeing the beginning of that with um, you know, multiple dragons being represented in a single dragon, right? Something. Something has to happen. Like, what is cooler than killing an elder dragon? We've done that twice, right? So to keep us engaged, something we have to we have to up it by one. And I think a lot of people thought the inevitability is we'll be fighting two dragons at the same time. But they're sort of pitching it like they're getting stronger by absorbing each other. So eventually, you know, theoretically, by the time we kill the last dragon, whichever one it's going to be, it's going to be all six of them at once. If this keeps going in this way. Well, unless there's something we can talk about later in the story that may curve that, but yeah. Sure. So now are we ready to go to Ember Bay? I think so. (laughs) Okay, Spirit, why don't you just lead into Ember Bay, because we're clearly forgetting things about this story. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you go to Ember Bay, and it's super cool, and by super cool, I mean everything is on fire and trying to kill you. And it's awful. I've and got a question, though. You guys may have addressed okay. this last week when I was gone. Where are the hydras? I thought we had confirmation there was to be hydras, and I see no hydras. I think uh, by confirmation, there was a stompy, stompy lizard in the trailer, uh, which turned out to be a stone head, and people saw that. And I they were really like, thought what it stompy, was more stompy than that. dinosaur things do we know on the Ember Bay? And we all said hydras because that's the stompy, stompy dinosaur we knew to be on Ember Bay. Or sorry, okay. not Ember Bay, the Fire Island. Yeah. I think everyone just assumed falsely. We're like, oh, it's oh, in the I trailer. It it's confirmed. All, okay. all we saw was a dinosaur drumstick. Like, there was no. I think we just overreacted. <laughs> okay. in a, I mean, That's in a fair. disappointing way. Because uh, I think everyone wanted to see Hydras, but oh well. Oh, let's mention if that. Oh, yeah, we get to Ember Bay. It is super cool because everything is awful. Um, everything is awful. Yeah, fun fact, I sang that song, I was painting the stairs, and I painted my cell phone and wallet and a whole bunch of other useful items at the top of the stairs, and then was stuck at the bottom of the stairs for the weekend while I waited for the paint to dry, and so I sang that song a whole lot. But anyway, (laughs) that's another story. Zember Bay is super cool, and everything is awful. Uh, So once you're in Ember Bay, you're essentially looking at these new dragon minions, which... Uh, our destroyer, our green destroyer. They killed um, Cammy. They killed Cammy. They killed uh, our favorite red shirt, and they are just generally more nasty than normal destroyers because they're they're fire fire rock plants that d- make death. death. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of an absurd. Uh, I almost idea like the speculation enemy. that we saw photos of them somewhere before or trailer footage. 
I kind of like the speculation that they were burning various minerals and chemicals from under yeah. the ground. I kind of like that better than what they are, though. It makes more sense this way, I guess, with lore. But yeah, I'm kind of just. I mean, they're just elementalist necros. Like, yeah, it's fine. The vines coming out that, that pull you in. Okay. And immobilize you while you're trying to vault at them yeah. because for some reason being mid leap counts as being at range. Our garble. Yes. Um. What else happens on Ember Bay? You go around uh, assisting various NPCs. It's sort of a. I tend to not like the open world portions of Living Story as much as I like the instances, um, because it just seems to me to be like a way to direct you to all of the content that they want you to see rather than the content is built as part of the story and then coincidentally you can do it in the open world also um, did you feel that way with Ember Bay? part of the story yeah kind of hmm. um i think it's just personal preference that i just don't like the open world stuff as much uh yeah because the whole middle section of the story right is about go talk to this heart npc do a watered down version of their heart quest go to the next heart npc do a watered down version of their heart quest i didn't it's not that any of that was bad or didn't make sense with the story i just didn't enjoy it that much um yeah i thought i'm that just a grumpy person who doesn't like things i, I understand definitely felt that way more with a previous um like, uh, and bloodstone fan it seems that was just directing you that way just for the sake of like you said. But in Ember Bay, it felt like it was helping you explore the map and get acquainted with it so you could explore it more later. Yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, like it, I mean, it's totally personal preference for me. I think a lot of people would really like that because it was always... That was always a complaint, right, with the early Guild Wars 2 is that there was sort of nothing... Not enough directing you. And I, that's actually how Hearts were born, I believe, as well, is because mm -hmm. people felt like they didn't have enough guiding them around the zone and so now there's heart quest there's also um sort of a given order in which you do the heart quest based on the story and just not my not my cup of tea i prefer the uh herd of cats method where you open up a zone just let everyone run it in their their favorite direction but there aren't any hearts in your home instance <laughs> yet Bringing it back, bringing it back to the cat swarm. So anyway, so we run around Ember Bay, and we fight a dwarf. And I uh, sorry, fight, find, right? We I find mean, like, some script I mean, you fight that won't verbally. let us see the. Yeah, it's yeah. true. We find some script that won't let us see the Mystic Stonehead, whatever they call it. The like talking, talking uh, rock thing. What do they call it? I don't remember exactly. Rockhead? No, that's not right. No, they ha they have something about that it like talks. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, uh, yeah, they they don't let you do it until you help the script little pirates, and which is adorable. forcing you to do another heart, like you were saying. Yeah, it's true. Um, and then you get in and you find out that it is the head of a dwarf who is still alive uh, and is talking to you. And maybe they just maybe they just call it Stonehead. Anyway, um, which like really kind of creeped me out and weirded me out because we know that the dwarves are stone. And that they seem to effectively be immortal, but we never really learned the mechanics of their stone transformation. And the fact that you can behead a dwarf and he's still sentient and talking, like, what exactly does it take to kill these things? And I don't know, it just like kind of creeped me out in a, like, the dwarf NPC himself didn't creep me out. But just like thinking about 
all these thousands of stone dwarf warriors that went down to go fight uh, Primordis and... Well, it makes like, you wonder, can you like take the dust and mix it with plaster and pour it in a dwarf mold and have another one? What if you uh, mix them? Weird amalgamated dwarves. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't, I don't want to think about it. Um, it's really, it's really weird. But <laughs> he explains that the the dwarves had some mechanisms to basically relieve the pressure from the volcano on the island, but only a dwarf could operate them because that makes sense. Um, it's very, I don't know, whatever. There are two dwarves. That stone thumbprint or something. It, yeah. Anyway, Can you so look he at tells the icon wh- for that stone thumb because what kind of crazy thumbs do dwarves yeah, have? I thought that too. This is uh, an item I, in your inventory. I totally didn't even look at it. It looks like um, a ninja star or something. It's, I mean, it didn't make any sense for a thumb. I didn't understand. It's got weird spikes on it. Yeah, I, I, I felt the same way. I'm glad you brought that up, Spirit. My inventory is such a disaster mess that I now I I couldn't even find it. Um, <laughs> anyway, so then you go around with his finger and activate all of the devices, I guess, to you know make the volcano not explode so much. Or at least the pressure of magic that's building. I think is more precisely what it is. Sure. Something. But Much it's, to the amazement of the Asuran NPCs that are all standing around studying the gadgets, not figuring out how to make them work. Well, I think they understood what they were doing. Well, maybe they didn't. But they just didn't know how to activate them. I, I think that the at least the first one didn't even know what it was for. He was just like, I don't know what this thing is. You're like, I can make it work. He's like, all right, be my guest, Buka. And you, you know, make it work. He's like, huh, all right. <laughs> You're good for something, I guess. Because we hate Asura. It was a very accurate Asura impression. Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah, well, uh, let's just say that I know how to be a giant douche uh, if I want to. <laughs> I'm going to just leave that there. I'm sure somebody will cut that out of context. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I, I I, don't know. I thought the story instance, it was kind of like you were just talking about with, or not story instance, but it was kind of like you were talking about with just leading you around the map to find the major events and stuff i didn't super mind it because it was kind of fun to climb around things and explore mm-hmm. things and by that point i had my mastery unlocked so i could fly through the lava tubes and fly all around the map which is pretty fun i don't know did either of you have any strong thoughts on this part of the part of the story i really liked the segment where you had to go gather up the mersat armor to trick the mersat fortress into letting you in mm-hmm. um i think there are two cool things about that. The first was that uh, when you assembled this Mersat armor, you appeared as a hostile player to people. And you were well, totally they invulnerable. Took so they took that out. They took that out. I was sad. I, know. I was so bummed because they were like, oh, that was a bug. And I was like, no. Yeah. It was really cool. Because, I mean, it's not like you could grief people. No mm-hmm. one could. You were totally invulnerable. So you just sort of scared people a little bit. But it wasn't, oh, man. I was so bummed that they took that out. Me too. The other, The other thing was... Um, once you were inside, there was a little campfire and like some destroyer bits and scratch marks. And it was like something heavy was dragged here into like a crevice underground. And I think the implication was just that it was a dwarf making camp there. And then like one of them got dragged off, maybe Rockhead or Stoneface or whatever we're calling him. Uh, but I always like those sort of mysteries that are like, what happened here? There's some cool like markings and stuff, and you can interact with a few things, and yeah, I don't know. That's the sort of stuff I like in my stories. 
Oh, all right. Uh, and then is that is that like all that there was before we get the call to go back to? Well, there was more at the Mersat or the ruins of the Mersat um, fortress or part of one. I, I'm kind of hoping that there's a bigger, more intact Mersat fortress in another part of the island chain. But anyway, um, there were the uh, tablets. Did you guys read the Mersat tablets? I read them as I found them, which meant that they were not in order, and I only got the gist of things, and I should really go back and read all of them, because it seemed really interesting, and I just haven't gotten around to it. I did find them all, but I didn't read them in order, and if I remember correctly, the gist was that um, the Mursat, um, you know, back at the last age, before the last awakening of the dragons, um, decided to fight, but the Seers and the Jotun... And I think another race didn't want yeah. to fight. So it was just the dwarves and the Mursat that wanted to actually fight and try it to... Was, uh... It was the Mursat and the Forgotten. They set up this alliance between the Mursat and the Forgotten and everyone else uh, were, were the ones who beggared off. That's right. That's and right. Then... It wasn't the dwarves. Yep, you're right. Yeah. The, I don't remember what all the other ones did. I think it, I think it described that on those tablets. It was essentially a retelling of history from the Mursat point of view, which is very cool because we haven't seen that before. Um, and, we've heard this sort of series of events from a lot of people, but it was always, uh, yeah, the Mursat chickened out at the last minute and slid off into another dimension, and the rest mm -hmm. of us were all, you know, left waiting, and we weren't strong enough to beat them without it. But this one is saying, no, no, we set up to fight, and it was us and the Forgotten, and we went ham, and we lost a lot of people, and we left because we thought that was the only way we could survive. Yeah, and if that is to be believed, is a different perspective because if maybe if everyone would have teamed up as we're seeing in this iteration of the Dragon's Awakening, um, things have been very different. So if that's true, but again, it's the Mursat history, can you blame them as much as we had previously for going into their phase shift disappear thing? I, think that's I mean, kind I don't of really. Cool... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, it's fine. Go ahead. Uh, I like the idea that that sort of parallels what happened when Destiny's Edge fought Krakatoric as well. That you know, that one person buggered off and <clears throat> for all love, <laughs> <clears throat> you know, maybe if all of them had been together, it would have gone okay. You know, then yeah. we'd still have best Asura. We'd have the, no, we'd have the Asura that had personality disorder. Yeah. As you'd have you'd already, you know, um, made apparent in the show, Asuras are jerks. If you're not a jerk, you've got a personality disorder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't, Honestly, I don't... Yeah, I've never really thought of them negatively for any of the events in the last Dragon Cycle. I just, I just have negative feels towards them for, you know, everything that happened in Prophecies because, you know, they're giant jerks. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I like the idea of having sort of unreliable narrators or conflicting reports of historical events and sort of you know, shifting your perspective or trying to figure out which one is accurate or, you know. You should play Elder Scrolls games then. I, I do okay. sometimes. Um, yeah, so I, I, think that's, I think that's a cool kind of storytelling slash lore to put into the game, especially for a, a very enigmatic race that you don't get to interact with very often. So, fair enough. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about with this story I just section? wanted that to... We get to that before we move to what happens next. So we get a call from. Uh, we get a vision, right? Yeah, we get a vision, and the, yeah, 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 we get a vision. Stand in front of you know Stonehead, dude, and we get a vision that we need to go back to the egg chamber. Right in uh, Tarir. Tarir, thank you. Yeah. Golden City. City, the Golden City of Tarir. Yeah, 
because uh, we're getting some getting some vibes about the dragon egg that we left there at the end of Hardthorn's story. Uh, so we go back there, right? And mm-hmm. basically, it's like charging its laser and <laughs> gathering energy, and then it. Let's see. So it hatches first, right? And then all the bad stuff shows up. Is I think that so. The order that it happens, and you yes. but you like put it in a force field. Yeah. Yep. Um the the grant the exalted one, the head of the exalted ones, um puts it in a force field type deal, yeah. Yeah, to like protect it from the dragon minions which show up sort of out of nowhere. Um <laughs> kind of. You're know. going along doing your thing, trying to protect it, and there's the hordes that are getting more and more and you're thinking, crud, either I can't do this or something's gonna happen, and then yeah, then then Lazarus the Dyer shows up and is like, "Hey guys, remember how I kind of like seized a bunch of power and I'm totally the bad guy, but I'm totes not. Let's let's team up." And you're like, mm, "Okay." Uh, <laughs> and then you and then you do, and you all take a lane and you fight off the remaining hordes. And then basically, once the fight ends, uh, you have some dialogue with him. Well, and he comes up and he's like, "Let me help you." And you're like, "Where are uh, um, Kaz? Not Casimir." Where are what's Casimir's uh Jory? Jory, yeah. Where's Jory? And who else was with you? Um it wasn't Bram, of course. Uh I'm forgetting who else what other uh, NPC character was with you? What, what other um or Destiny's Orphans person? I wasn't also there too? am forgetting this. I don't Marjorie and Kate nope. were with you. Kate, that's right. Th- that's right, Kate is Kay, there. Okay. Right. So you're 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 the player character is like, where's Kate and Marjorie? And um uh Lazarus says, oh, they're busy. And I'm thinking, oh, you killed them, didn't you? God, that would be great. <laughs> Sorry, wait. <laughs> okay, that's so how you really feel. Yeah, there's a massive I mean, amount of sass in that uh, that particular instance also. Yeah, well, it's just, I just, uh, it would have been a shocking twist. But anyway, um, go ahead, go ahead, Bravin. So I'm thinking, oh, you killed them, didn't you? And he's like, there's no time. They're busy fighting, you know, destroyers somewhere else. So you reluctantly accept Lazarus's help, and he just incinerates a lot of these things, which is something that I thought was kind of funny, you know? Destroyers, now that they absorb death and plant, you can start them on fire. <laughs> uh, spectral Agony is a real freaking deal, my That's friend. That's true. Very true. No, but even when you were on the island, you're setting, um, setting uh, destroyers on fire. Yeah, that's because they don't want to disrupt the burning meta. Okay. I don't know. Fair enough. But yeah, he's you're right. Spectral Agony is is real. It's it's the real deal. And he's just destroying stuff. And it's it's kind of fun because you're protecting this cute little baby dragon that we're all hoping becomes a plushie that we can buy at some point. And yeah, then it's over with and you don't trust him at all. How do you feel about that? But spirit? like you kind but you like kinda yeah. trust him. You're I like, don't trust you're like him I don't really as tr- far as I can throw his bird footed floaty butt. I don't trust him at all. Yeah, but the but like your your character like kind of trusts him in the sense that they're not like why don't we murder you now that you and I have like now that we're right here and nobody's here to defend you. You're like, "Yeah, sure. Okay, whatever. I guess. I don't trust you, but like whatever." <laughs> I don't know. I I feel like even though your character states that they don't trust him, they kind of their actions kind of speak uh at least mildly otherwise. Yeah, that's uh, true, but I kind of think from a, 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 I said human interactions, but we're not dealing with humans here. From a, you know, sentient being interaction, I kind of think your character was too strong. Like, oh my gosh, I want to kill you, but I'm not going to. It's like in the, in the, 
in the interests of you know dealing with this person, if you th- if you think you have to deal with this person, you don't just say, "Oh, I want to kill you, but I can't." I think you try to put a little bit of a different front and be like, maybe say, "I'm keeping an eye on you," but not like, "Oh, this seemed too strong for me for someone that you felt that the player character felt they needed," because obviously they felt they needed them, otherwise they would have just attacked them on sight. Friends, I have a confession. I, yes. Yes. Uh, we got a question this week from Old Timey Fend about this exact topic, and we got on the topic without reading the question. And oh, I'm sad. Do you want me to do? I do you want me to do Old Timey Fend's voice again? And like, sure. <laughs> okay, here we go. And you can choose to move this around in the episode if you want to, Mister Editor. Oh, I, that's way too much effort. Okay. Are you kidding me? Okay, let's see. I don't know if I can remember what I did for. So I'm just gonna read this. Grybox Spirit, that other guy. Hell, oh, thanks. That other guy. That read my letter last time. Hail my nubby green shrubbery. It's old timey fend. Anywho, oh, that sounds like a euphemism. <laughs> Anywho, I was cooking up some of my famous ooze custard when a question came to mind. Sadly, that question was almost immediately devoured by the tiny bearded thought monster that resides in old timey's left in- lefternmost ear. But just then, old Lazarus appeared out of nowhere, offering to help with the custard. And I remembered that my dear pappy used to say, never trust a guy with black feathers. Back so what do you say? Feathers. Oh, back feathers. I can't read. I guess I need to put my glasses on. I'm getting like old timey. So what do you say? Do you trust that grimy, slubbing sphincter? <laughs> oh, God. Wow, I didn't know Lazarus has an interest in saving young dragons and cooking custard. Oh, that's, I mean, And I'm like, sorry, old-timey, for not doing the voice. It's not like reading to yourself this time. I just threw me off when you didn't remember my name. So, I mean, I guess I guess it's one of those things where, like, the way that you said it, Robin, of, like, why would you attack him if you feel like you need him, which obviously your character does, yeah. and sort of my point is, like, why does my character feel like I need this guy, other than at the very second that they're being attacked and he's offering help? Like, uh, like in what world is a Mursat like the trustworthy good friend <laughs> that after having been revealed as like being in control of the remnants of the white mantle and doing I don't generally know. bad maybe, guy thing like I don't know maybe I'm playing devil's advocate here but our player characters don't have they may have the knowledge but they don't have the first hand experience that uh, our Guild Wars one characters did with the white mantle and the Mursat true. And, well, they have they have they have experience with the white mantle of this incarnation. Yeah, but they're they, sowing seeds of rebellion and overthrowing the human. It's not the and, same like, as seeing them sacrifice people in the bloodstone and fighting against um them one on one, you know, toe to toe against Mursat that are obviously leading this. Sure, I guess. Um, so, <laughs> anyway, so I ahead. mean, maybe your character's thinking, "Oh my gosh, this guy absorbed an entire bloodstone worth of magic, or two thirds of it, whatever." And he could blow me away right now. I mean, that, that thought occurred to me. He's probably stronger than the two dragons that we've killed. Yeah, possibly. But that that was sarcasm. Oh, possibly. I, who am I? Which magic maybe. is in that bloodstone? I don't know. I mean, it was huge, wasn't it? it like, like the top that we saw in Guild Wars One was just part of it. It like went down to the ground. And who? I mean, Abaddon might have been putting all the magic in that one. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I lost my train of thought. But what I think I was trying to say was. With with I mean, I don't think he's worthy of trust, um, Lazarus. But with the fact, you know, those tablets, that's why I want to talk about those tablets. That the Mursat went back into, you know, their their phase shift because they felt that the other race races had betrayed them. And the fact that Lazarus, you know, sees the world perhaps differently. I think maybe there's some room for redemption there for him. Maybe. 
So I want to think that because we have, because he's got an interest maybe to, he could fix this this time. He could make it work. Whereas last time the dragon's awake, awoken, the Mursat didn't do the right thing. But he's got such, he could gain so much by uh, lying to us. It's it's hard. It's a hard thing to say if we can trust him. I mean, he's practically got the word vizier, like, stamped on his forehead. Yeah. He's the most untrustworthy mother trucker, like, <laughs> whatever. I'm not going to harp on it too much more, but... um. I don't know. Whatever. You accept him, sort of, but don't really trust him. And then Jory, I actually love this, was like, hey, dude, he came back from the dead. I'm a necromancer. I am all about that business. <laughs> I am totally going to follow him. And you're like, what? Are you crazy? Yeah. And she's like, what? Why not? I'm like, well, if you're not attacking him while you have him at your fingertips, that's essentially tacit approval that you're not going to like kill him on sight. So I guess... Well, like. You might as well have a spy with him. Like I don't know. <laughs> I, I I was I was on board the jury train. Like whatever. Go go learn how to resurrect or whatever. Go learn how to shard yourself in the minds of your followers. Also, it was funny because I was playing it on my necromancer. Oh. And she's like, I'm a necromancer. I want to learn about this. And you're like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Is it? That adds some, yeah. Some <laughs> flavor pretty funny uh that would be a great one of those character you know um profession specific dialogue changes and they'd be like oh yeah that's that's a good point yeah you should get back to me on that <laughs> like anyway uh spirit did you what did you think of this instance as a whole any whatever any anything any thoughts uh i was pretty disappointed that we can dissuade marjorie from making what in my opinion is a really dumb decision but other than that i think i'll live i don't know like it was it, it was thoroughly okay i was really surprised to see lazarus uh i am intrigued at where his story was going but it, it wasn't really like a highlight or a bad point for me it was just a i need more information before i know how to handle this it was like lazarus ex machina yeah kind of yeah <laughs> I think that's I think that's the biggest part of it for me too. Oh. It was like everybody just shows up in this egg chamber all of a sudden instantly. It's like when you're playing the like Tomb Raider or Uncharted games and you're like, I have finally discovered this five thousand year old temple, and thirty seconds later the bad guys also discover it by blowing in the roof. You're like, Okay, like <laughs> I guess. <laughs> like just it just seemed like too coincidental timing anyway robin you sounded like you were gonna start to say something there is something we glossed over that i was really excited and i think a lot of guild wars fans were excited before the egg hatches i think when the uh the leader of the exalted is bringing it in there it says the glint's second scion is about to hatch or about to come forth something like around those lines and mm -hmm. there's some um there's something to that that, that second scion because and something that we've a lot of guild wars one fans have been wondering for a long time about for a long time because in the final expansion for guild wars one um eye of the north there was a mission a bonus mission where you helped the dwarves because the dwarves had an alliance with glint uh, what they were the order of the dragon or something you help um them protect glint's one of glint's hatched eggs one of glint's babies i think the dragon's name was gleam that sounds right and it was this bonus mission where you protect it from destroyers um and, you know, if you're following it, I think lore-wise, we can say that, you know, the heroes of Guild Wars 1 did that. And we never heard anything more about that. 
the fact yeah. that they acknowledge that it's the second scion. I mean, maybe maybe that dragon died off screen in the 250 years that we uh, um, have been waiting for Guild Wars 2. Um, but the fact that it's acknowledged and that it could be, you know, brought back is, I mean, there's there's a lot of theories going around, um, speculation among the community, um, of if you go back to Living Story, was it season two, when we went into Glint's um, realm and we saw the Master of Peace um, getting the egg? You guys remember? Uh, yeah, sort of. Um, we, it's been a while. <laughs> so when you, if you do that, um, again, you can see that the Master of Peace receives the egg from a disembodied voice. Now, we don't know for sure if the Master of Peace got that while he was in Glint's. Um, uh, did he go into Glint's domain and do that? Did he find the egg somewhere else? I mean, I think we can pr- be pretty sure that it was in Glint's domain. Maybe, probably, I don't know. But that, who's that disembodied voice? Is it E? Is it Gleam? Is Gleam been the one that has been directing us? Is Gleam E? I don't know. That seems kind of a... I'm Like I say, this is a lot of speculations going around among the community right now. But... I think it's great that, you know, it's not just been dismissed. We have something about it. And I think it'd be cool if um, Gleam is, you know, help coordinate things. And we have two um, child, children of uh, of Glint helping us. That would be pretty cool. I always love getting tiebacks to especially things that feel like they may have been left as loose ends. Mm-hmm. I always like loose ends getting reincorporated back into the plot. Um, I think it is very good for... Yeah, I, I think it's good storytelling, and that's definitely been one of those sort of nagging, you know, what about Glint's other baby? Mm-hmm. Also, what about Glint's other, other egg that the player character stole in the bonus mission of uh, Glint's lair for no reason? Uh, I think they just pretend that never happened, but... That, even when I did it the first time, seemed not uh, canonical, not canon lore, but... Yeah, yeah, it seemed like they were just like... Uh, we need to make a challenge for this mission. Uh, I guess steal Glint's egg and yeah, kill her. like Street Fighter, beat up the car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, pretty, well, it can't be canon, because Glint talks to you at the end of the game. So, and Glint is alive also in Guild Wars, yeah. in, like, in the intervening time. So anyway, um, but yeah, I, it, it was nice to see that name dropped, even though nothing more particularly came of it in this episode. I'd like to hope that that means that they'll be bringing that plot thread back in. So definitely good. Yeah. And then um, also there's been speculation, as you, if you guys hadn't noticed, I've been reading on the internet what people have been speculating about. Um, what do you think about the appearance of, what was the dragon's name, the one that just was hatched? Orin. Uh, Orin, yeah. There's speculation that we can actually see influences. She's greenish. They, people think that's the Mortar Moth influence. Um, what do you guys think of that? Do you think that's visually apparent? Yeah. Uh, in fact, if you check the link that I just posted in Mumble, uh, you can clearly see lots of uh, uh, plantiness <laughs> on it. Uh, I'm glad that you've already made our uh, episode name. <laughs> Wow. Uh, yeah, I I think that's reasonable to assume, probably considering that the like beam when you killed Mordrmoth like got beamed directly into the egg. Um, yeah, it's going to be nice to talk to it. I, it's going to be interesting to see if it's sort of like evil from the get go, or if it's like good from the get go, or if it's sort of like Glint where it started kind of evil and then you can sort of you know teach it better so that it isn't. Um, you know, I don't know. It, it's always fun to have an adorable dragon talking about, like, eating your soul or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then it comes in again, if Gleam's around, is Gleam gonna jump in and help foster this dragon? I mean, what's gonna, if Gleam's still good, we, we don't know. It's 
it's really nice to have the throwback though to old lore and I think that's what we've seen a lot lately with uh, Living Story and I think a lot of longtime Guilders fans are really appreciative of it. Yeah, definitely agreed there. Plus it's nice to go back to places that were in Guild Wars 1 but you never like like Ember Bay Fire Islands were in Guild Wars 1 but Ember Bay wasn't mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of cool to have something that is attached to something that was in Guild Wars 1 that is you know different but in the same sort of area yeah I find this stuff kind of cool anyway <sighs> okay does anybody have any parting thoughts because now we're up to an hour and a half and that's way more than I was expecting oh, for man. this episode to take uh super quick legendaries came back you're so right um yeah was, that was... we haven't talked about it we need to talk about it because i can't believe we didn't talk about it last time i can't okay, believe we didn't talk about talk? last time okay well so... because last time we also got like an hour and a half in and we were like oh my god there's still stuff to talk <laughs> about uh we'll just call it which is what i almost just did now okay legendary spirit go yeah okay so uh legendaries came back uh no one was expecting it they were kind of like yeah we might do something and then all of a sudden bam there was a new mace in the game um it is Mace not face yeah it was not like anything we've ever seen before uh in terms of how legendaries are crafted <laughs> much like uh living story the third iteration of crafting legendaries is completely different to the first two um and it is very heavy crafting there's no collections involved it's just sort of a material sink um i haven't really done it myself i know it involves a a lot of different currencies. I know there's some Mystic Forging involved. Um, I know... I don't think it's RNG Mystic Forging. I think it just is generic Mystic Forge forging. recipes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I've seen a bunch of the new components on multiple vendors. It caused Elderwood prices to skyrocket because Elderwood is used pretty extensively in crafting these bits for the Legendary. Um, there was also a blog post on it, and it's now been long enough that I've sort of forgotten the finer details i believe um the idea is that they wanted a way that they can just put these in the game basically as fast as they can make them rather than having to implement these sort of long quest chains in the form of collections yeah they wanted to remove the the implementation of um you know scavenger hunt uh scavenger hunt storyline with it was slowing the process is what i remember from the blog post yeah, I mean, basically, it's it's kind of what we speculated slash theorized from when the news that they weren't making more legendaries first came, which was just that, you know, the it seemed that the bottleneck was not on the art, but on the extensive new items and locations and quest triggers and all sorts of stuff like that in the journeys was, was the bottleneck, and that that was really what was slowing them down. And so they've basically decided that they would rather have us be able to have them and, and craft them uh, with a more bare bones implementation, but one that preserved the cost than not be able to have them at all. So, and yeah. So um, as someone who's not really interested in making a legendary and you guys are, I guess I could ask you not having that storyline quest that you had with the short bow that was recently released. Does that dissuade you or make you not, want a legendary or not like the implementation of this or would you rather just have them the way it is now and have legendaries spear why don't you go first because you have more legendaries than i have now and you're more invested in the um process with all the legendaries i've made up until this point oh goodness i don't know this is gonna be tricky for me right so the idea with the generation one legendaries i made them because i like the skins 
and I made them before the legendary collections were out. Um, since legendary collections have come out, I've made two, technically three, almost four Heart of Thorns legendaries, if you count back pieces and armor. Uh, and the collection aspect of it was the primary motivator for me to make Chukin Champawat. I did that for the quest. And the skin was sort of a nice secondary thing because everyone said this was a really cool like quest chain, you know, um, and it also had this cool short bow that came out of it. Um, I like the idea. I'm even thinking about going back and making the juggernaut for that sort of intermediate, um, the ooze tonic that you can get. That makes it you have the juggernaut effect um, while not wielding a hammer that comes from from doing the collection for the precursor for the juggernaut. Um, I would say overall, the addition of the collections was a welcome and fun aspect of doing the legendary for me, but it's not the be all end all. Um, when it comes to, like, I've enjoyed making the legendaries with the collections more than I enjoyed making the legendaries without making the collections, but I'm going to make them either way because of the skins. Um, I, yeah, that's a good answer for me. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm I'm actually very interested in the fact that you said that you did uh, Chupan Champawat on almost entirely because based on the quest. For me, it's always been based on the skin, and um, it's 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 always been based on the skin. And having the quest was nice. I have only done Astralaria, um, but you know, uh, it. Like, it was fun, but I would rather have skins and have them, even if they are more basic, so to speak, than not have them at all. So, like, am I kind of sad that they can't have the journeys? Yes. Am I much more happy that we get them sans journeys than not get them at all? Also, yes. So, it's kind of like one of those things that we talk about on the show sometimes, is, like, there are realities to game development that, like, you don't have infinite time, you don't have infinite resources, you don't have infinite people... So you have to make decisions on things that you are going to give up. And I am willing to make this trade if it, like, I, I'm willing to make this trade, basically. Like, Yeah, me too. Legendaries are always going to be expensive. I would, I, as long as I can get them and not have to craft, or not have to Mystic Forge gamble, then I will, then I am happy. Like, it, boring or not, like, I will probably make another legendary. Because um, I already had all the legendaries that I wanted from the skins that are out. And do, uh, do you no, want ahead. the mace? Since it's more of a, it's. I think that this mace I've seen this from the screenshots I've seen is more realistic in a fantasy world. It's not a disco ball. Does that do, do you like that aspect of it? Uh, for me, it doesn't make a difference. I I don't have a problem with like crazy ridiculous fantasy weapons. I'm not going to get it because I don't care for maces in general. I don't like using the weapons, and that's a big part of it for me too. Like I I don't like using maces in this game, so. I won't, but, you know, there are other weapon types that I would love to have legendaries for um, that I would like. So, you know, that's it's more of a future future concern for me than the immediate this specific uh, this specific legendary. So I'm I am happy. Cool. I'm glad that legendaries are back, even if in a uh, another way, because that means more people, you know, reasons to log in to work on something a little bit every day, which means more players. More players playing. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. 
All right. Well, thank you for thank you for bringing that to our attention, Spirit, so we didn't skip it again. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, it was definitely worth talking about. I didn't want to give the impression that we didn't care that Legendaries were back because we hadn't gotten around to talking about it, because it's actually a huge deal to me, just in general, for the yeah. long-term goals in the game. I'm really glad. I mean, I think it's also important to say that um, a lot of people were upset about not having the, the Legendaries but also for people who bought Heart of Thorns on the premise that there was going to be a whole set of legendaries and were feeling very betrayed that legendaries yeah. were not coming. Um, and also, you know, ourselves being guilty as well of saying, you know, delayed indefinitely, that really sounds like canceled permanently. Well, okay, but if you look at those, the definitions in the dictionary, I think delayed indefinitely means something other than that what happened. Yeah, I I agree. I'm just saying, uh, in especially in a, in a games development for people who follow games development, there are certain code words, right? And delayed yep. indefinitely often means not coming, um, right. you know, whether they'd like it to or not. And so the fact that in this instance they have gone out of their way to you know make good on that promise where. It was delayed indefinitely. They didn't have a time for it, but it is now back, and they've sort of resolved it. That's a very good thing. Yeah, that yeah. I mean, that's huge. Like, it's again, it's it's one of those things that like a lot of people were really mad about from Heart of Thorns that like this was supposed to be a major feature, and it's you know not <laughs> like it was it was the, uh, ostensibly anyway maybe going completely away, and that would have been not awesome. So, you know, yeah, it's, I, I think we're all very happy with it, like with the decision to bring them back. Yeah, I, I can't guess. wait to see what they come up with next. I mean, they haven't, they haven't said anything about what the next one's going to be, but I'm really looking forward to it. And I hope that it's something shiny that I go, oh, I don't want to craft that. I don't have the money to craft it, but I really want to craft it, but I don't, I don't, I don't, Because that's how I, think I make it's really interesting. I think it's really interesting that it's very thematically related to um what we it's very thematically related to the current living story like i at least i think like yeah, it's it's, it's, it's very like lava e it's like an ember bay yeah, legendary it's like an ember bay legendary like i wonder if that's sort of coincidence or if that's one of those things that you know has been in the pipeline for a long time but uh it just the timing lined up well or if that was part of the impetus to find a way to make this work yeah i i think think it i I would guess it's coincidence um i know maybe maybe some legendaries are based on what's going on in heart of thorns slash uh you know like over the entire expansion of heart thorns right from launch to all of the living story stuff all the way up to the next expansion i think it'd be really cool if all of the and i i doubt it because i think they just make cool art and they're like that let's put that in the game um but it would be really cool if they all sort of tied into different aspects of the Heart of Thorns expansion. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, now that we're at an hour and 35 minutes, is there anything else else? <laughs> I don't think so. Do we have cast cast? No, I don't think no. so. Just because the, uh, yeah, because that was really the letter that we read in the middle of the episode. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because it pertained to a question that we had already answered, but hey. Or we're in the process of answering. Yeah, but yeah. old-timey friend wrote it, so it was like the greatest yeah. thing ever, and it was very important. 
I'm sorry that I didn't do the voice. I, I need to get better at my old-timey fan voice. To practice it. Practice it for next next episode. There you go, old timey friend. Write us more letters. We'll have to practice more. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you for joining me, my wonderful hosts, and thank you for listening. And we will be back maybe next week, or at least sometime soonish. I hope I'm uh, here next week. Indeed. Uh, so yeah. Cheers. This has been another episode of Relics of War. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofwar.com. Email us at relicsofor at gmail.com or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.